building project. Uh, once you guys see this today, uh, we'll be ready to move forward and start building a place for grace. Would you say amen? Would you say amen again? Folks have been working hard, picking out carpet and uh, picking out paint colors. Uh, they've been picking out playgrounds and basketball courts and all kind of stuff. It's going to be nice. Amen. And so immediately found the service, uh, we just want to uh, share that with you. Pray over this thing. How many know we need to pray over this thing? Pray over this thing. There'll be no hiccups. Because here's the thing. Once you go into the building, you never know what you're going to find. And uh, we're just praying that we won't find too much of anything except to take that thing on up. Amen? All right. Pastor Kimberly Bolgen is going to be installed as the pastor of the Twinsburg Seventh-day Adventist Church. And that is going to be on November the 2nd at 1130 a.m. Now, we have Youth Federation going on here, uh, and we have Pastor Kim's installation in Twinsburg. So this is what we're going to do. We're just going to let you be convicted in your own mind as to where you need to be, all right? It wouldn't be appropriate for me to tell you where you need to go, uh, but I would encourage you, uh, I would encourage you to go and, and support Pastor Kim and our young people. Amen? And support both of them. Praise the Lord. Now, Pastor Kim's service starts at 1130 in Twinsburg. It's possible you can get back here because y'all know our services start at 1230. So who knows? Twinsburg's a little bit of a drive, but we want to make sure that Pastor Kim is well supported on her first Sabbath. Now, she has a dual role, which we'll explain. She'll be both here at Grace and at Twinsburg. I know a whole lot about that because when I first started pastoring, I had three churches, Sister Hawkins. Three. Three. One, two, three. Three. So she is more than capable of doing it. Amen? <laughs> Praise the Lord. So, again, Youth Federation, uh, November 2nd. Uh, it'll be right here. So all the churches from the, um, from the northern Ohio area as well as the uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania area, Uniontown, uh, will be here on November the 2nd. It's going to be an awesome day for our young people. We're encouraging you not to use this as an opportunity uh, to stay at home or whatever. But either one of those options we ask you to choose from, but more importantly, would you bring your young people out here so they can be blessed? This is just for them. And then that night, uh, that night, I believe at 6 uh, o'clock, we're having Fall Fest. Somebody shout Fall Fest. We've been doing this now for about four or five years, and the Lord has blessed us every year to make major impact in our community. And this year, the Lord blessed a donor to give us 100 bicycles to be able to pass out to the community. Would you say amen? Say amen again. Say amen again. So the Lord is blessing. I would encourage you to do this. Would you put a little, put a little financial blessing in your, in, your, in your offering towards Fall Fest uh, so that we can help with the planning of that? Uh, we were expecting some, a release of some finances, but, but the, the, the release hasn't come. So the Lord said, uh, ask the church. Amen. This is a major undertaking, and we need as much help as we can to be able to make it happen. This is evangelism. What is this, everybody? It's evangelism. We have had upwards to at least 600 people attend this event. And by God's grace, we're hoping this is the highest attended uh, fall fest of all time. Amen? November 16th, uh, the 100-year celebration of black Adventism in Cleveland. We are not having services here. All the churches will be worshiping together at the uh, Mount Gilliam Baptist Church, which is the former home of... Uh, of, of, of our church, before we moved to Glenville, we were at 71st and Cedar. How many of y'all knew that? Which is now the Mount Gilliam. So some people ask, why are we not going back to Glenville for this? We wanted to pick the most neutral site that represented the origins 
of the movement here in this. And that was the first organized building and origins of our church. And we're excited to be able to go back there. Would you say amen? And so T. Marshall Kelly will be here. Dana Edmund will be here. we got stuff going on in the evening. We're also going to be having a discussion, a panel discussion with Pastor Dana Edmund on is the black church still relevant in 2019? Come on, somebody. we got to get ready for 2020. Y'all not catching what I'm saying. Now, we know Jesus is coming soon, but we need to be ready for 2022. And we know God is in control, but y'all better take y'all hips to them polls and vote. Come on, say amen. I was talking with somebody the other day, said that they did not vote for either Hillary or Trump. And it's not my responsibility to tell you who to vote for, but to tell you to vote. And I just want to know, for those of you who decided not to vote, how's that working for you now? How's that working for you now? Praise the Lord. Go to the next slide. We know we have community today. Are there any more announcements? Is there any more? All right, that's it for today. Hold your horses. We're getting ready to come out. We're getting ready to start worship. But before we do, I want us to take a moment right now and stand to our feet and give some nice uh, grace community love to your neighbors, to your brothers and your sisters. Don't be stuck up. We ain't a stuck up church. Amen. This is grace community. Go on, love on somebody. Give them a nice juicy hug, right? A nice Jesus juicy hug. Come on, say amen. And then you're going to remain standing. Because if you don't, praise and worship leader going to tell you to stand for praise and worship. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Happy Sabbath, Saints. Sabbath. Happy Sabbath, Saints. Sabbath. As you um, make your way back to your seats. This morning, this is um, what we read, and it says, Come to me with your defenses down, ready to be blessed and filled with my presence. Relax and feel the relief of being totally open and authentic with me. You have nothing to hide and nothing to disclose because I know everything about you already. You can have no other relationship like this one. Take time to savor its richness, basking in my golden light. Amen? Amen. Amen. There's no other relationship like the one we have with Christ. Amen? He knows everything. Let's take this time to bask in his presence. If you can stand with me as we sing the Sabbath song. For those that are willing and able to stand with me. Amen. God is good. Amen. I'm not 100% today, so I need y'all help. I need y'all to sing and worship with me, all right? Let's sing together. It's a blessed day. It's a blessed day. It's a day of rest. A happy day. A day to, a day to celebrate. It was made for man to show us. Show us the way, Lord, I thank you for the Sabbath day, Lord, I thank you for the Sabbath day. It's a blessed day, it's a blessed day, it's a day of rest, it's a day. 
themselves and washed feet today. Amen. 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 And I say this every communion. Do you remember um, Pastor Coxum? He would always say that there should be a time um, every day that you take the time and think about what Jesus did on Calvary every day. There should, be, there should be a moment where you just kind of just draw yourself out of what's going on and remember what he did for us on Calvary. And today, it was so beautiful, so humbling to be able to wash my sister's feet today, to just pray with you, to humble ourselves in the, in the foot washing ceremony, amen? So we're going to sing some communion songs. We're going to sing at the cross. Come on. <laughs>
How many know the blood never Death loses its power? power? Oh, we ought to just take a moment right now and just worship the Lord. If you know that the blood still reaches to the highest mountain, and this is you right here. It goes down to the lowest valley. Anybody ever felt low, been low, done low stuff? Well, the communion service is to celebrate that your God got low. He got down in your stuff. He got down in your mess. He got down in the closet. He got down in the midst of all the junk you've been trying to hide. How many are thankful today that you serve a God that ain't scared to deal with your mess today? Glory. The blood never loses its power. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. It reaches to the highest mountain. Your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed. Oh, Lord, the pen of inspiration tells us that of this one thing we should be sure. That to be emotionless when we think of the price that Jesus paid for us is a sin. When we think about Calvary, when we think about his blood, when we think about forgiveness of sins, not just one time, but over and over and over and over and over again, our souls ought to cry out, hallelujah. And so we don't want to found to be sinners today because we are withholding praise. We're withholding worship. So, Father, corporately today, we want to say thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. You're worthy to be praised. Thank you, God, for keeping us when we couldn't keep ourselves. Thank you for protection. Thank you for provision, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for everything you've ever done for us. We don't want to be found, Lord, not praising you, Lord. We don't want the rocks to cry out for us. We shall glory. Hallelujah. You pulled some of us out of the muck and the mire of sin. And Lord, Lord, I just praise you today that I don't look like what I've been through. Oh, you cleaned us up, Lord God. And you washed us. Oh, to God be the glory. To God be the glory. God be the glory. Great things he has done. Thank you, Lord. Consecrate us now as we celebrate this beautiful, this beautiful service. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said amen. And amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Has everyone received your emblems uh, this morning? Who's been overlooked? If you just raise your hand right now, if you've been overlooked. For it reaches to the highest mountain. For it reaches to the highest mountain. Oh, the blood? The blood. That 
gives me strength. That gives me strength. How many got strength today? Come on now. From day to day, it will never. right there brothers and sisters the Lord has been good to us as we come down to the to the end of the year of 2019 <laughs> we, we are going into 2020 when I was a child at school they used to have textbooks that talked about what 2000 would look like 2000 and, and they showed flying cars and they say now we're just we're just getting to the place now where you can have automated cars but we're in 2020 and the Lord has not come yet the Lord is not here yet so that must mean that there's still work to do and that must mean he's still working on you let me tell you what I used to say I used to say, I wish the Lord would hurry up and come. Now what I say is, let his will be done. Whenever he gets ready to come, let him come. Come on, say amen. Because it could be that we may not be ready for him to come. Could be that you got some children ain't ready to come. Could be you got a spouse that's not ready for Jesus to come yet. So how many know that he is an on time? This ain't just cliche. How many know he going to come? He may not come when we want him, but he going to come. On time, amen? Praise the Lord. And so Jesus, after the night of which he was betrayed, he gathered with his disciples, which is so amazing to me. And he instituted this service after the Passover service. Passover is when the death angel came by. You know this, don't you? The death angel. But the blood was on the doorposts. The Bible says if the blood was there, he would pass over. And then Jesus says, I'm going to institute a new covenant. Somebody shout new covenant. It's going to be a new thing. And he said, it won't be based on anything that you do. He says, you don't have to put the blood on the doorpost. He says, I'm going to get on the post. And I'm going to put my own blood on the post. Y'all not hearing me here today. And it said, if without the shedding of his blood, that there would be no remission of sin. And so we celebrate the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, that we are not saved by works, lest any man should, should boast, but we are saved by grace through faith. And I want you to know today, we put our faith and our trust in Jesus today. All my life, especially when I was growing up as a child, I used to think that communion, uh, and I remember even some folks would say it after the communion service, they said, now all of us are cleansed, amen? You remember that, brothers and sisters? But then I began to read Desire of Ages, the chapter, This Do in Remembrance of Me. One of the things that the prophet to the remnant church says, she says that we don't go to communion to get forgiven. We don't celebrate communion to get forgiven. Y'all not hearing me. That's right. The Bible says that Jesus said thousands of years ago, he says, uh, 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 Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Forgiveness has already been given. Come on, say amen. We come to communion to celebrate forgiveness. Now, I've been waiting to say this before we partake, but as so much criticism was made of uh, the, the dear judge in Dallas, Texas, for forgiving Amber Geiger. Now, brothers and sisters, I know that there are a lot of political nuances 
I'm not even desirous of even going there today. But I can guarantee you this. What she forgave Amber Geiger of ain't even close to what the Lord has forgiven us for. And if there's ever a group of people who ought not be tripping about forgiveness, it ought to be forgiven people. I know, you didn't, I know you didn't kill anybody who was just sitting there eating a bowl of ice cream. But the Bible says that we put the Son of God afresh. We put him to death afresh every single day of our lives. And the only reason why we stand here forgiven is because of his righteousness that covers us. And so that night he said, take eat of this is my body. And we break of the wafer, he said, which was shed for you. His broken body, his crushed body. He was wounded for our transgressions. Thank you, Jesus. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. But with his stripes, we're healed. To God be the glory. And the Bible says after the same manner, he took the cup. And I love this because this simply expresses the only reason why we do communion. He said, partake of this. For this do in remembrance of me. I don't want you to forget me. The Sabbath is designed so that we don't forget God. But communion was designed so that we don't forget the cross. You may partake of his blood. Church, say amen. I'd like to invite our ushers if they would assist us now by, by gathering the emblems. I'm going to invite our elders if they would just come and stand here. We're going to have a season of prayer. If our elders will just stand in the front. Those of you who need to be prayed for, those of you who need God to break some chains, those of you who need the Lord to work a miracle, come ye disconsolate. Where'er ye languish, come to the mercy seat. There's power in prayer. As a musician, Willie, if you would just sing something as you're playing, I want to invite the congregation. We're going to go into a season of praying and prayer and worship. And if the Holy Spirit prompts you, these elders are standing here not only to pray for you, but to pray over the congregation. I want to invite you to just rise to your feet and find an elder and connect with them and let them pray over your life, pray over your family, pray over your children. You don't have to tell them all your business. This is not confessional, but we do believe that where two or three are gathered in his name, he is in the midst. You can come even now. Just come even now. Bring your burdens. Bring your trials. Bring your requests. And the elders are here to pray over your life right now as Willie just sings a song of, of worship to us now. Oh, to thee, my 
Come on, everybody, let's just sing it together one time. No music, no music, no music. Come on. Come on, lift up your voices. Let the Lord hear your voice today. I surrender all. surrender I surrender I surrender come on one more time I surrender Father, in the name of Jesus, there's a sweet, sweet spirit in this place. And I know that it is the spirit of the Lord. There's sweet expressions on each face. <laughs> and I know that it is the presence of the Lord. Sweet Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit becomes sweet to you when when you begin to welcome his presence in your life and you don't fight him anymore. He's a sweet Holy Spirit. Sweet heavenly dove. Stay right here with us. <laughs> Is that your prayer today? Filling us with your love. And for these blessings, we lift our hearts in praise. I like this part. Without a doubt we'll know we have been revived when we shall leave this place. Bless us as we open your word now as our prayer in Jesus' name. And God's people said amen. And amen. Let's give the Lord a great praise this morning. Come on. This afternoon. Amen. I can't wait till we celebrate our first communion service in our new building. Amen. No more, no more of these hard chairs and you know, trying to make do. But we've been rolling in this wilderness, amen? We're still in the wilderness, but we're about to come out. Come on, say amen. And we just want to invite you to just stay by briefly after the service. Just want to share with you an update of what's getting ready to be built. Uh, and I'm excited about it, amen? Pastor Regina preached last week. Or was it last week? That was last week, right? On asthma. Faith without works is dead. And her point was is that when we are not working for God, that we show we have no faith. And therefore, our faith has no oxygen. Was that the word? I think I got that thing. Said the oxygen of our faith is action. The oxygen of our faith is action. I said the oxygen of our faith is action. 
And as I began to read through that text, how many have been reading the book of James? How many of y'all are memorizing it to win that $100? Amen. Are you? Oh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Put it to music and you can memorize it. If you want to sing it, that's fine with me. And in that passage, uh, James 2 is where we were last week. So we're now on James 3. In that passage, it said, even demons, this blew my mind, even the demons believe. We've been, mis we've been misquoting that. We've been saying, uh, what, what's, that thing? what's that thing we say about uh, demons tremble at the sound of his name? That's not in the Bible. That's a song. That's why we got to test the music, make sure it's theologically sound. The text says demons believe and tremble. That's That's heavier. That means that you have no advantage over a demon just because you believe. You're just like a demon if you just believe. That's good. And then it said faith without works is dead because even the demons believe. <laughs> Are y'all here today? <laughs> so that our faith must be manifested in activity. And so we want to dig a little deeper on that today. Praise the Lord. Um, James chapter 3 is the next chapter. James chapter 3. James chapter 3 and verse 1. And as remember, it ain't on the screen. Yeah, we're doing something different. Get your Bible out. Get your phone out. Go to James chapter 3. I'm going to be reading from the English Standard Version of the Bible. This is my new favorite version. I'll have a new one, another favorite one next week. James chapter 3. What book did I say, everybody? James chapter 3, and we're going to look at uh, verses 1 through 12. And um, this is from the English Standard Version of the Bible. So those of you who are using the Bible app, if you're trying to make the adjustment, that's ESV. ESV. If you're on your way, somebody shout, I'm on my way. All right. If you're there, say, I'm there. Oh, technology. Good stuff. All right. The Bible says in James chapter 3 and verse 1, not many of you should become teachers. Let the church say amen. Uh, the deacons come forth with the lifting of the tithes and offerings. <laughs> Woo! This is heavy stuff, y'all. He says, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers. For you know that we who teach, listen, this go for me and the elders and all the Grace University, anybody who's teaching, the Bible says that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Y'all hear that? So don't even add, don't, don't desire to teach. Oh, I can't wait to talk about that. Verse 2, for the Bible says, how many of us stumble, everybody? How many, everybody? For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says... Underline that in your Bible. Struggle, and, and he says, he said, we, we struggle in many ways, but if a person doesn't struggle at least in what he says, he is a perfect man. Able also to bridle his whole body. Verse 3, if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Is that not right? Verse 4, look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder. 
wherever the will of the pilot directs, verse 5, so also. Somebody shout, so also. In other words, I'm making an analogy here. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. Now he's, he, he keeps working. He's going to keep working here. He says, how great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. I don't know why ain't nobody shouting in here. This is good, man. I don't know why y'all ain't reading the book of James, but y'all need to get in this word. The Bible says, and the tongue is a fire. <laughs> Help me, Lord. A world of unrighteousness. <laughs> a world. Not a planet. Not, not, not a neighborhood. It is a world of unrighteousness. The Bible says the tongue, Lord have mercy. The tongue is set among our members, our body, staining the whole body. Some of your versions say contaminating. What did your, you say? Defiling. Uh-huh. And set on fire. Now, here it is, y'all. And set on fire by hell. Verse 7. For every kind of beast and bird... And it's going to get gooder. 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 For every kind of beast, I know that's not correct English, so don't get me. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed, Andre Fowler. I'm coming for you today, brother. Sit right there. Animal lovers, I'm coming for y'all today. Uh, <laughs> it says you can tame just about any animal. It can be tamed by mankind. Verse 8. But no human being. <laughs> None of y'all. Nobody. Yeah, I don't want to talk back to me here today. Y'all think I'm talking to myself. But I am, though. No human being can tame the tongue. That's Bible, y'all. It, it is a restless evil. Full of deadly poison. Verse 9. Oh, Lord. I don't even want to read this. I don't even want to read this. With it, we bless our Lord and Father. <laughs> and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. Help us, God. Lord, give me patience. I want to preach now. Give me patience. <laughs> I want to get in. Uh, verse 10. From the same mouth. The same. Somebody shout same mouth. Same mouth. Come blessing and cursing. <laughs> My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Verse 11. Does a spring pour forth? From the same opening, both fresh and salt water? That's a question mark, right? Verse 12, can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives? <laughs> or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Now, I'm tempted to read the rest of the chapter, but I'm going to leave it alone. Because I got to be disciplined today, amen? 
Title of my message today is Mouth Problems. <laughs> now, I need to confess. Oh, Lord have mercy. We got a witness, huh? Somebody got a mouth problem. <laughs> Stay prostrate. Yes. That was your prayer this morning? She must have been reading James 3. Uh. <laughs> now, listen, then, she laughing. Yeah, Y'all laughing, but listen, let me tell you something. Let me tell you how I'm going to start this sermon off today. I feel like this sermon is for me and nobody else. If don't none of y'all get anything out of this sermon, listen to me now. I believe I'm preaching to me. Well, y'all can leave if y'all want to. I'm going to preach until I get delivered today. <laughs> I'm going to preach until I get healed. And, and the reason why is because I know for a fact. I know what the text says, but I just want to own my stuff today. I've got a mouth problem, y'all. Anybody else out there want, want to just help? the? Pre okay. Now, what I used to assume, now people assume that if you're a quiet, spoken person, you don't have a mouth problem. Some of y'all are few of words, but when you do say something. <laughs> I tell no lies today. Uh, and, and this mouth problem I've had for a long time, y'all. I'm 43 years old on October the 8th. I turned 43. And my mouth problem is generational. Fred Bozeman, you hear me? Like, I got, a, I, I didn't, I got it honestly. It's in the genes. Come on, say Amen. Mouth, the mouth runneth in the Pelote family and the Edmonds family. It's all in me. Come on, say amen. My mother is a lawyer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My daddy's a preacher. We got a mouth problem. And I got relatives that do all kinds of jobs. They don't preach or neither are they attorneys. And I'm telling you, you don't got nothing to do with our job. We all got mouth problems. We cuss a little bit. Uh, maybe more than a little bit. <laughs> maybe more than a little bit. Amen. Lights. Amen. We are smart mouthed. My God on today. Quick witted. Know how to throw shade real good. Real good. Um, I got a master's in sarcasm. I got a doctorate in dissing. <laughs> Can I get some help in here today? Amen, Doc. I was suspended, true story, multiple times in elementary school. Not for fighting. Not for playing spin the bottle. I didn't get suspended because I was fresh with the girls. I got suspended because of my mouth in the second grade. This is not a preacher story. I'm telling you the truth. In the second grade, I dropped an F-bomb. Forgiven. <laughs> On the playground. 
And I went to a little white Adventist school in uh, Collinswood, New Jersey, and, and them folks didn't know what to do with this uh, sharp-mouthed black boy. So I got suspended in the second grade. I got suspended again, listen, for excessive talking. I had to write sentences. They tried to start me out with write 100 sentences. Now, if you're a millennial, you don't even know what I'm talking about. Anybody, Generation X and behind, come on, talk to me in here. Nah, y'all millennials don't know nothing about writing nobody's no sentences. Y'all don't write nothing. Y'all type everything. Come on, say amen. If you, if you didn't write one, you don't write no sentences. That don't count. I'm talking about taking out a number two pencil. Number two. That yellow pencil with the green metallic around the edge and the, and the, and the red eraser. And you had to write on lined paper. And I had to write, I will not talk. 100 sentences. This is a true story. Well, that did not, that was not able to tame my tongue. And I literally got suspended for excessive talking, and they sent me home to write, no lies, 1,000 sentences. I will not talk in class. My God. I figured out how to master writing sentences. You don't write them across. Come on, somebody. You are the eyes. I, 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 so quickly, and I did it with an attitude, like, this done nothing. You can't break me, you know what I'm saying? And the Lord has a sense of humor, because with this mouth of mine, the Lord is now using the same mouth. I could preach on that just by itself, but I just, I, let me just lean on this for a second. Whatever your problem is, God wants to use your problem to help somebody. Come on. Whatever your issue is, God wants to use your issue to help somebody. I'm serious. Yeah. And we need to be careful. We need to be careful that we don't quickly judge people because they got issues. Some poor folks didn't know what to do with this black boy at that all-white school. But, but how many know that I had one teacher, this old German lady named Miss Yaros. She's dead now. Bless her heart. Miss Yarrow saw something in me. And when it was time to give oration, she gave it to the, the F-bomb dropping a second grader. Because she said, listen, I know he got a mouth problem, but I believe that God wants to use that mouth. When I got to Oakwood, I didn't want to use my mouth. I wanted to be cool and, and I wanted to make money. But the Holy Ghost got a hold of me and said, I want to use that mouth. Is there anybody in here that got something that looks like an issue, but God wants to flip it and use it? Can I get a witness in here? And so James, so James now in this passage of scripture is dealing with people like Myron Edmonds. This passage of scripture, the book of James is specifically designed to deal with people who have problems. 
But chapter 3 is specifically designed to deal, and I believe in context. Listen, y'all, good preaching, a good, a good sermon will tell you the original situation of the text. You're just not going to jump uh, haphazardly into the scripture. You need to know what this was written for, who this was written for, and why it was written for. The original audience in the book of James was a scattered group of people that had found themselves in what James describes as spiritual immaturity. So the book of James is written for spiritual babies. In other words, the immaturity suggests that we have been delayed in our retarded, in our spiritual growth. That somehow or another we have found ourselves stagnant, that we have, we have stopped moving, we have stopped developing, we have stopped climbing higher. And James says the reason why there's favoritism going on in the church, the reason why there's a lot of people running their mouths in the church, the reason why there's a lot of, of, of folks spending money on toys and things and people are talking about God but they're not living right, the reason why all this mess is going on in the church, James is writing, it's because you are spiritually immature and I believe like James does that the number one problem with church people with God's people is not that we don't have faith it's that we don't have mature Christians mature Christians do not resist trials mature Christians recognize that testing is a part of the development of your faith mature Christians recognize that when they are going through that they are going through that they're not here to stay. They understand process. Somebody shout process. They understand that God is working on them. And they will not get comfortable where they are. Mature Christians don't have the same story that they've been saying for 30 years. Mature Christians get to a place where they are growing from glory to glory. And they are increasing in knowledge. They are increasing in stature with favor with God and with man. I wanted, I wanted to say this right now. You have, if you are going to be a mature Christian, you have to have a growth mindset. We talked about that a few weeks ago. Immature Christians don't want to grow. They don't read their Bibles. They don't pray. Church is not important. They don't serve. They're just trying to do their life and do it the way they want to do it. But the more uncomfortable you are, the more you're growing. I promise you that right now. One of the most awkward stages in the development of a human being is adolescence. Teenagers look funny. I, I saw my son the other day. He looks funny. Am I telling you, you know when they're growing, their bodies are growing, their feet are all big, and their heads are not, don't match. You know, everything is all out of kilter. They say that as a teenager, developmentally speaking, more is just as much is happening with you as a teenager, developmentally, chemically, and biologically, as is happening to you in utero. You're going through changes. And then we progress into young adulthood. But something happens around uh, midlife where, where it's natural for us to live based on memory and not based on imagination. And we get real sedimentary. And we get to a place where we get set in our ways. We get to a place where we don't like change. We get to a place where we like to go backwards instead of going forward. And none of this is wrong culturally. None of this is wrong in terms of your entertainment. None of this is wrong in terms of your music. But it's a problem in terms of your spiritual life. The Bible says of Caleb at 80 years old that he was still taking territory. He was still fighting for the cause of God. There are many of us here today that have stopped growing. 
And we don't want to be challenged to grow. And James is trying to deal with that today. And he gives us five marks. This is how the entire book of James is organized. The book of James has five chapters. And these five chapters give us five marks of spiritual maturity. I will take a picture of this on the screen. It will help you when you're studying the book. You'll know exactly what you're getting into when you're reading James. Number one, uh, a spiritually mature Christian is patient in testing. Uh, number two, uh, a spiritually mature Christian practices the truth. Somebody shall practice. Now, practice doesn't mean you're perfect, but practice can make perfect. All right, number three, uh, uh, a spiritually mature Christian, which, which we're going to look at this one today, has power over his tongue. Uh, number four, a spiritually mature Christian, this is, for, this is just for your studies, is a peacemaker, not a troublemaker. We got a bunch of babies in the church. Come on now. Y'all quiet in here. And, and then number five, a spiritually mature person is prayerful in trouble. Now, James has already primed the pump for us, showing us that he's coming after our mouths. Somebody anoint your mouth right now in the name of Jesus. Go to James chapter 1 and verse 26. Go to James chapter 1 and verse 26. Remember now, we're ending up in James 3. We're using our Bibles today. But James is already trying to prime us for the fact that he's coming for our mouths. In James chapter 1 and verse 26, I'll wait for you to get there. If you're there, would you say amen? James chapter 1 and verse 26. Notice what he says. He's priming us. He's getting us ready. He says, uh, uh, if anyone thinks he is religious. Now, religious doesn't mean religious like y'all saying it now. I'm religious. Y'all religious, I'm spiritual. No, religious in the Bible means spiritual. He says, if any of you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his what, y'all, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Go, go now. He's priming the pump. Go now to James chapter 2 and verse 12. He's preparing us for this onslaught of biblical terror that's getting ready to come our way in chapter 3. James chapter 2 and verse 12. James chapter 2 and verse 12. The Bible says, he says, so speak and so act. Let's say that again. So speak and so what? So your actions follow your words. He said, so speak and so act as those who are being, who are to be what? Under the law of what? Verse 13, for judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So particularly he's saying, I need to make sure that your mouth is merciful. Because if your mouth ain't merciful, I'm not going to be merciful to you. And you need to start using your mouth like you're standing before judgment right now. Are we together? Are we together? Now, 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 most of the book of James, just helping you, context, somebody shout context. Most of the book of James was written, I believe as James was writing, uh, was writing this book, he had the book of Proverbs open. So many quotes from the book of Proverbs, uh, Rochelle, are in, James is the New Testament version of Proverbs. Now, I want to tell y'all something. If you really just want to upset your spiritual life, just read the book of Proverbs. Now, if your Bible study has gotten stagnant, you feel like, I can't understand anything, read Proverbs. You understand everything in there. It's straight talk. Come on, say amen. Ah, in Proverbs 18.21, watch this. This, this is the text that is the, that is the influence behind what we're getting ready to discover in James 3. Proverbs 18.21. Proverbs 18.21. Are you there? 
You've heard this before. The Bible says in Proverbs 18, 21, this is what's influencing what James is going to say, mouth problems. Somebody shout mouth problems. James says, death and what else? Are where? And the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruits. Now watch this. Especially, uh, you know, we, a lot of times we scoff at, at, at these uh, confession preachers. If you speak it, it'll happen. There's extremes, but understand this. They ain't all wrong. The Bible says, the Bible, uh, the Bible says that, that life and death is in your mouth. This is not euphemistically. This is not symbolically. It is literal that life is in your mouth. Death is in your mouth. There are many of you dying a slow death right now because of stuff said to you and stuff you're saying to yourself. Just the other day, I, I, I don't even remember what I heard, but some of y'all know how this works and the influence of words, right? Something was said. I don't remember what it said, but it messed up half of my day. Have you ever had that? You hear something, somebody says something, they didn't even mean it the way they said it or whatever, but for whatever reason, it just hits you like death. And it just alters your whole day. And around halfway to the point of the day, I had been reading the book of James, Holy Ghost said, pull yourself together. And the reason why what was said messed me up is because of this. And don't miss this part. This is just, I'm just throwing this in the sermon. I really don't need to spend a lot of time on this. But according to most psychologists, the, the voice that we believe the most is our own. I need to say that again because some of y'all weren't paying attention. The voice you believe the most is your own voice. It don't matter what I'm saying. If while I'm preaching this and you're telling yourself something else, and the reason why is, is you talk to yourself more than anybody else. And so you take what you say. Somebody can say to you, you are beautiful. You are God's child. You are blessed. I see potential in you. And you will tell yourself, no, I'm not. You're just saying that to make me feel good. You're just saying that because you, try, because you, you, you think that I, I need encouragement. And your self-talk can speak death over your life. And the adverse is true. Somebody can cuss you out. Somebody can dog you to your face. They can call you everything. You know how we say it, but a child of God. But if in your heart you tell yourself, I am the righteousness of Christ. I am the head and not the tail. Well, it's their opinion. It's their opinion. It's the way they see it. But it's not the truth. I stand on the word of God. I ain't committing no suicide. I'm not thinking about quitting or giving up because I have the right to tell. I need y'all to hear me. I can listen. Everybody listen to me. You can listen to me right now. You can fix all of the evil stuff that people have ever said to you by you telling yourself something different. This ain't pop psychology. This ain't positive speak. This is the word of God. Forget what everybody else say. What do you say? Are y'all with me this morning? This afternoon, whatever it is. And so now, as we dig into this text and get out of your way, what James is trying to tell us in James chapter 3, go back there now, the tongue is the most powerful part of your body. The tongue has rulership over your whole body. Your tongue has rulership over your whole life. 
Now the good news is, is that means I have a little bit of control over what happens with my life. I don't care what anybody says about you. I just feel like I need to tell somebody. I don't care what has, been, what has happened to you. I don't care what kind of traumas you've experienced. Take the word of God. Speak the word. If you don't got nothing good to say about your situation, about your spouse, about your children, about your job, you don't have to have something good to say. Grab you a Bible. Open up the word and start declaring the word of God. Because... Life and death is in the tongue. And your mouth is the most powerful. The president tweeted, as of yesterday, 17,000 times. He has tweeted since president, since being president, over 17,000 times. And they have said that he has made 13,475 false statements. And all y'all in here love that. He a liar. Oh, he a liar. Everything come out of his mouth is a lie. You don't know what, what, where he coming from. Somebody just said he is, but I got some news for you. So is you. Oh, oh, don't worry. I want to go on, go in on him, but I can't because this sermon is for me. I can't even about Trump today because I know that if he got a mouth problem, I know I got a mouth problem too. I just don't have his job. And you can say I might, I might want to argue. I'm maybe not. Uh, you know, I love the Lord. Not, it don't matter. It ain't about him right now. The issue is, is that according to research, they say the average woman speaks twenty thousand words a day. Somebody said too many. The average woman. Somebody said. Somebody shout. Somebody said. Now, somebody said the average woman speaks about, somebody going to get in trouble over there. <laughs> somebody ain't sitting with their wife right now, so they getting loose. They just saying whatever they want. Hey, uh, 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 you got to go home, man of God. <laughs> you got to go home now. <laughs> uh -huh. Now, now I'm, I'm going to fix it in a minute, though, but I did want to throw this in here. Uh, they say women speak uh, uh, 20,000, Michael, 20,000 times. Lord have mercy. The Bible says it's better for a man to be on the corner of a rooftop than to be with a contentious woman. That's the book of Proverbs. That's not in my sermon, but the, uh, somehow it got in there. I don't know where it came from. And they say the average man speaks 7,000 words a day. Now they did some research on this and they found out that this was to be a lie. Because how many know there's some brothers out there that can talk a hole in your head? Come on, say amen. And there's some sisters out there that don't got much to say. This just goes into our, our, our stereotypical nature to, say, to suggest that women talk a lot and men don't. Now, there may be some truth to this. I don't know. But what they do are agree is that most of us, most of us, somebody shout most of us. Most of us on average speak 16,000 words a day. And the Bible says we are going to be judged by every single one of them. And not just our words. The scripture says we are going to be judged by every thought. And not just our thoughts. The scripture says we're going to be judged by every motive. <laughs> oh, y'all can, can point fingers at the women and men all you want. You, be, you got your 16,000 in even if it was silent. You're going to be judged by how you talk to yourself.
I don't, I'm not ready for that point yet. Take that off the screen for me. So, <laughs> so, uh, uh, let, let, so, so look now. Let, we got three quick points we need to make. So the first point that the Bible makes in James chapter 3 uh, about the importance of the tongue or the power of the tongue, the power of the tongue, the power of the tongue uh, uh, is in verse 1 and, and, and through 2. Let's read verses 1 through 2 in, in, our, in our English Standard Version of the Bible. Uh, are y'all ready to study? All right, let's go. Let's get, it. Let's, 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 get, let's get in this and get out. The Bible says in James chapter 3 and verse 1, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Verse 2, for we all, how many everybody? For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. So the first point that we learned from this text that I want to elaborate on is that if you can control your tongue, you can control your life. Repeat that after me, everybody. If I can control my mouth, come on, if I can control my mouth, I can control my life. And notice how he makes this point. The first thing he does, he starts off coming for teachers. Now, if you ain't a teacher, just step aside for a minute. For those of us who are in spiritual leadership, and authority who teach the word of God, he says, you ought not be striving to be a teacher. There's some of y'all out here who want to teach. The Bible says you shouldn't strive for it. Shouldn't want it. You know why? Because if you become a teacher and you got a mouth problem, I'm serious. It stands, you all, everybody got a mouth problem. But if you become a teacher and you got a mouth problem, just know that you are going to be judged, this is Bible, with more strictness. So many people want to teach because it brings about prestige. And, and people, uh, you know, back in the day, folks wanted to sit on the rostrum and folks wanted to teach Sabbath school and, and folks wanted to preach and things of that nature. And I'm telling you, having watched many a preacher, many a teacher desire the gift without having the character. Because, see, one of the dangers about being a teacher is that, number one, you are often, you are often tempted and have the tendency to teach your opinion instead of teaching the word of God. I'm, I'm telling you what I know. It's, it, 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 when, you, when you're teaching the word of God, the, the Holy Spirit is trying to constrain you to stay in the word. To constrain you, not just to talk about what you've overcome, but to talk about what you have not overcome. Not just to beat up on people, but, all, but, but the Bible says every word that comes out of our mouths ought to be seasoned with salt, seasoned with grace. So we ought not be striving to teach. We ought not be striving to be bishop, striving to be reverend, striving to be pastor. It says, because if you do, you are going to be judged with greater strictness because we have a tendency. Most people are called to preach and teach because they are opinionated. I'm serious. If you don't want no unopinionated teacher, that's part of our personality. It's part of our gifting. We got something to say. What the, what the temptation is, is to say what I want to say. Instead of saying what the Holy Ghost told me to say. The other temptation about being a teacher is that when you're a teacher, you also have the tendency to be a hypocrite. 
Because most of the time, God calls people to teach and to preach who are struggling just as much or if not even more than the people God called them to preach to. Now, I just want to lean on this for a minute. God does not call people to preach and teach because they are better than other people. God calls people to preach and teach because they're struggling like other people. And the only way God knows he can save you is he got to keep you in the word. He got to keep you in prayer. I'm not here because I'm no more than you. I mean, I went to seminary and started. I ain't more spiritual than nobody in here. I'm going to be judged with greater strictness, but don't, I, I'm humble about this thing. I know God called me to ministry, not just for your benefit, but to save my soul. And if you lose your humility, if you lose your humility with your Bible in your hand and your little studies that you got and think you got something to say, think you got something to share, think you deep, think you can teach somebody something, then you have already lost your way. You got to come humble with that thing. You got to recognize that where, that your help coming from the Lord. You got to recognize that every good and perfect gift comes from God. If you want to go to hell, be a teacher. Because I'm always leaning on the, on, the, on the precipice between standing in the word of God and standing in my, own, in my own ways and in my own flesh. It's dangerous when you are a teacher. It's dangerous when you're a deaconess. It's dangerous when you're a deacon. It's dangerous when you lead a ministry. When you're leading these ministries, you are leading from your weakness, not from your strength. And God is going to judge you. If you're teaching children in Sabbath school, you are judged on the same level as the preacher who preaches at Sabbath. Anything else is your tradition. The Bible doesn't say what kind of teachers. It says all teachers will be judged with strictness. If I've got to guard what I watch on television, you've got to guard what you watch too. People ought to be saying the same thing about you. I got to be careful talking around David because he's a teacher. I got to be careful how I handle myself because Carl is a man of God. And you don't get a pass because you're an elder. You don't get a pass just because you're some deacon. You don't get a pass because you teach the children. You get no pass. Whoever, you don't get a pass because you're a parent. If you got to teach anybody anything. And so notice what he says here, and I, I thank God for this next part of the verse. He says, he said, for we all stumble in many ways. Now, this is to, this is to check all the people that want to look at all the teachers and say, y'all ain't living right. Now, James says, no, 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 no. Yeah, I'm going to check my teachers, but now I'm coming from all of y'all now. Because all of y'all stumble. As a matter of fact, the Greek word for stumble is trip. So notice now, the Bible is saying, we're not all rebellious. We all trip. It's describing our sin condition. I mean, tripping means that you're going someplace, and, and, and just like the other, uh, the other night, uh, I, I, Lord help me, Jesus. I was, I was just last night, I, I, I was walking, and I miscalculated that I had, 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 had shined some shoes right by my bed, so I tried to get up without disturbing my wife. Amen. I didn't want to turn the lights on because my wife sleeps very lightly. Every little thing. breathing now the good thing is is if, if, if I ever had an irregular heartbeat she would hear it and my life would be spared 
So here I am trying to navigate so I don't have to turn the light because I got to go to the bathroom now. When you're over 43, uh, young man, you got to go to the bathroom multiple times at night. Let the men shout amen. Come on, say amen. So I, and then I tripped and I stumbled. And then the Lord brought that back to me and he said, that's what sin is like. Because everybody doesn't intend to mess up. We don't always intend to make mistakes. We, all, we, make, we, make, we make sin sound so sinister. But it's not that sinister as, as we would like to make it seem. Because most of us out here just tripping. We, we, that sin makes you trip. You don't always intend to speak the way you speak. You didn't intend to cuss them out. I'm telling the truth. I didn't mean to be nasty. I didn't mean to be sarcastic. I didn't mean, I didn't mean to do that. I didn't mean to dish you. I didn't mean to ignore you. I didn't mean to walk by you, but I'm tripping. Anybody tripping in here? Somebody look at your neighbor and say, we tripping. And so James is saying, teachers, watch yourself. And then now James is saying, listen, all of y'all need to watch yourselves because we all have a tendency to trip. And then he says this. He says, because, listen there. He says, because if you were perfect teachers, if you were perfect members, then you would be able to control your tongue. Notice, notice his definition of perfection. A perfect person is somebody who never trips on something they say. Where y'all at? Where are the perfect people? Number two, the second thing he points out. The second thing he points out. Look at verses three through six. Look at verse three through six. If you're there, would you say amen? The second po point he makes there in verse three through six, it says, he says, if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, <laughs> he says, we guide their whole bodies as well. Oh, this is good preaching, y'all. Verse four, look at the ship also. Although they are large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided, and y'all see what he's trying to do? By, by a very small rudder. Uh -huh. Wherever the, pilot, the will of the pilot directs, so also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. And then he ends here, it says, how great a forest is set ablaze by a small fire. And the tongue is a fire. And the tongue is a fire. <laughs> A world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell itself. The second point we learn from this text is the tongue is small, but its impact is huge. And so he gives three quick illustrations. First, he says, he said, like a horse. The only way you can control a horse is you got to put a bit on its tongue. Isn't that amazing? These horses weigh 2,000 pounds, two tons. Some have been seen to weigh 3,000 pounds, and they have unbridled power. But, but, but just a little tug on the bit that puts pressure on the tongue can constrain a horse that wants to go buck wild. And then, and, and then, and then let's make this real, and then a cruise ship. As massive as it is, a cruise ship can't make a U-turn. It's too big. It's got to take several miles to turn around. But you know what makes it turn? There's a little rudder. There's a, there's a little pressure. Just turn it, and it shifts. And then a fire. All it takes is just a cigarette. Just a cigarette. How many, how many times have we heard this in, in, on the West Coast where somebody left a fire unattended or dropped a cigarette and caused an entire forest fire? The Bible is trying to teach us the influence and power of our words. 
And then he says at the end of the text that, the, that your tongue has the ability to shift your course of life. How many of you out here had somebody say you always going to be like your daddy? Let me tell you something right now. We need to be careful of what we speak over our children. We've got to be careful what we speak to our spouses. We've got to be careful. I'm telling you, we've been saying this all along, but it's a dang old lie. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That ain't Bible. The Bible says the opposite. Sticks and stones will break your bones, but your bones will heal. But if somebody says something to you, that's not my real son. That's not my real daughter. That's my stepchild. Y'all don't want to pray with me in here. You're not smart. I'm not good in math. I'm just good with my hands. All these little excuses that we make for ourselves because we don't want to try. Uh, I'm just not going to ever have no money. The devil is a lie. The devil is a lie. God don't want us to have money. You a lie. You a lie. And your poverty mindset got you broke. Your poverty mindset got your children broke. Your poverty mindset got you spending up credit cards and buying things you can't afford. I don't know about you, but I declare the word of the Lord over my life. The Lord says that I shall have what he says I shall have. That I, I that, that, come on, that the increase is mine. I don't know about y'all, but I believe in biblical prosperity. That if you give, the Lord will give to you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. The Bible says your tongue can shift the course of your life. I was joking with my daughter. Literally, I was joking with my daughter one day. And I said to her, I said, I said one day, you, I said, you're going to end up living, living with us. And we have this little joke. My son, he's money hungry. Like, he is very disciplined with money. My daughter, you know, she, she likes to spend. And, and so I spoke that. And I said, you're going to end up living here with us. And I didn't think anything of it. And she came back to me and she said, that hurt my feelings. I tripped. I tripped. I, I wasn't, but I had spoken something. What I spoke was, you're not good with money. Like your brother is. You're going to end up here. Oh, how many of us need the Lord to speak to a weakness and not let you stay in the weakness? What if the Lord told you you're a sinner and you're always going to be a sinner? What if the Lord told you you, ain't gonna, you, ain't, your, you didn't have a good daddy, so you ain't going to be a good daddy to your father? Oh, how many know that David says we ought to encourage ourselves in the Lord and that we ought to be mindful of the things that come out of our mouths? Now, you're not going to always say everything perfectly, but at least when you say something wrong and somebody challenges you on it, repent. Say you sorry. Stop making excuses for saying the things that you've said to spouses and the children and folks in the church. Because the life and death is in your tongue and your tongue, the Bible says, is motivated by hell. How many of y'all feel that thing? You know, just like a horse, it needs that bit, that high pressure, because there's so much power. And that ship, it's got so much power, it's got to be steered. And that fire, it's power. It's power, man. And how many of y'all feel, uh, like the hymn says, prone to wonder? Lord, I feel it. Oh, I need to get some help. Let me get some help over here. Uh, anybody know what I'm talking about? How many of y'all feel the pull of a good cuss? Come on, talk to me now. Uh, I ain't talking about the I ain't talking about the TV cuss words. <laughs> hey, 
How many feel like just giving somebody a piece of your mind every now and then? How many feel like walking into work and just, you don't want to shoot nobody? Come on, say amen. That ain't you. You ain't trying to kill your job. You ain't, that ain't, you ain't on that. You just want to walk in and tell everybody where they can go. How many feel the pool sometimes? Do you ever feel the pool sometimes? But we need the bit of the Holy Ghost. Uh, we need the rudder of the Holy Ghost. We need the fire extinguisher of the Holy Ghost. Come on, to put our stuff in order. How many just sometimes just ask the Lord, keep me because I can't keep myself. Hold me, Lord. Sit on me, Lord God. Keep me, Lord. Y'all can sit up here and play holy all you want. Is there anybody who knows that you have a nature inside of you that tries to pull you in the wrong direction? And only the Holy Ghost can keep you. All right. Let's get on out of here. Last point. Look at verse 7. Verse 7. Last point. All right. The Bible says, for every kind of beast and bird. I'm coming for you, Andre. I put this in here and thought about you. Amen. For every kind of beast and bird, uh, of reptile, uh-huh, and sea creature, mm, can be tamed, mm-hmm, and has been tamed by mankind. Uh, James says, uh, you, you see tame lions sometimes. <laughs> you see tame monkeys sometimes. Tame snakes sometimes. Come on, son. You see, tame dogs sometimes. I know some folk got pet snakes in their house. Lord have mercy. But they still in cage. Lord have mercy. Uh, but, but we try to domesticate these animals, he's saying. And then he says in verse 8, he said, but, but no human being uh, can tame the dog. <laughs> Lord Jesus. Uh, let me put, that, put this picture up on the screen. When we were in Africa, when we were in Africa, we... Uh, <laughs> We, um, we got a chance to go to Lion Park. And, 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 and now let me tell you something. When you're in Lion Park, you're in a car. And you're driving through the safari. And they got signs everywhere telling you, keep your windows up. Now, if y'all want to do some research, one of the producers from uh, Game of Thrones, the year before we went there, disobeyed and rolled their window down. And it looks like these lions are sleeping. They look real cute. They look like they're not bothering nobody. But as soon as that window came down, that lion mauled her within seconds and took her life. They tell you to keep those things up. So we're driving through Lion Park. And then after that, it was time for us to actually walk and play with some of the lions. Now I ain't want to look like a sucker. Come on. You know, my kids wanted to go. Wife wanted to go in. I said, now, Lord, you told us to act in wisdom. Amen. <laughs> But ego, ego got the best of me. But no lie. We, we, you see this? This is a cheetah. Now, just because it ain't no lion, these are predators. Uh, they let us, uh, we're walking with the, the cheetahs walking around. And it's walking around us. And you're just thinking to yourself, at what point is this cheetah going to remember? <laughs> this ain't Madagascar with Alex. Alex. Alex didn't know who he was. You know what I'm saying? Like, this ain't no domesticated. And then and, 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 and ask my wife, uh, they let you let the uh, uh, cheetah lick your hand. No, it ain't like sandpaper. It's like teeth. They say literally they are teeth. That's how they, their tongue can lick meat, raw meat off a bone. 
and they're just licking. I had a picture of my wife, but I didn't want to, you know, I'm always making fun of her. I was going to put that picture up there with the, with the, with the cheetah licking her hand. That's because I didn't want to put the one up with me. <laughs> I, was like, I was like this. <laughs> uh, uh, and, and, and amazed me. I said, how do they tame these animals? And there's some, there's some silly people in our church that if they could get their hands on a lion, or if they could get their hands on a cheetah, I believe that there's some, there's one individual in our church. If they could find out a way to tame a cheetah, they have a cheetah, they have a cheetah in your basement. And so what I learned is generate, it, it takes generations generations to be able to, to, to breed them appropriately, right? They, 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 just, they just don't walk into the jungle and just grab a cheetah and try to tame it. But, but, but we're talking about from birth. We play with a hyena and we play with a lion. We play with a lion. A lion scratched up my son real bad. Just playing. Just, just playing. And, 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 and I began to amaze. I was amazed. I said, I said, a cheetah can be tamed. But the Bible says but the tongue, no human. There's no tongue trainers. It cannot be tamed. It cannot be domesticated. On October the 3rd, we can ready to go home. October the 3rd, 2003. Do y'all remember Siegfried and, and, and Roy show? Y'all remember Siegfried and Roy show? Put that up there. These guys right here. They had a show in Las Vegas. Thousands made millions of dollars doing these acts, magic, and, 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 and they tamed all kinds, white tigers and lions. They're just playing with them on stage. But on 2003, the whole Sigrid, Sigrid and Floyd act ended. They said, now there's a, little, there's a little conspiracy theory about what happened, and there are various articles, but Barbara Walters did a 2020, y'all remember Barbara Walters? I love her voice. Barbara Walters did a 2020 special on, 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 on Siegfried and Freud, and they asked him what went wrong that day. This white tiger, on his birthday, Roy was playing with the white tiger, doing some kind of, uh, of act with the white tiger, and he fell down, and the white tiger snapped and almost ripped his throat out, and it dragged him to his cage. Most of them suggest that he was not wanting to eat him, but for a split second, because fear rose up in him, because he did something in the act that he was unfamiliar with, that it caused him to go back to his instincts. I want to preach this thing, if you'll let me preach it tonight. That his nature kicked in when he saw something unfamiliar. Are y'all hearing me here right now? When he saw something happen that he had never seen before, instead of trusting the master, he lunged forward at the master and said, I want to show you I'm in control of you. Grabbed him by the throat and threw him in the cage. Trainers were trying to pull him off. People were in deathly silence inside the auditorium. And it wasn't until somebody came in with a fire extinguisher and sprayed it on the tiger, uh, this 500-pound beast. They, they sprayed the tiger. The tiger finally loosed him and let him go. The emergency vehicles came. Uh, emergency folks came in immediately and took him to the hospital. He almost lost his life. To this day, he can barely walk and barely can talk. Because that lion began, that, that tiger flipped back to his instincts. And, and I began to think on this thing for a minute. And this thing began to help me to see a little bit more clearly of what we're dealing with in our own lives. See, we are that tiger. That's who we are. 
Uh, yeah, well, we've been domesticated by church. We've been domesticated by the clothes we wear to church. Uh, we've been domesticated because we got little degrees. Uh, we've been domesticated now because you don't live down the way no more. Uh, you, you, you've been domesticated. Oh, y'all don't, don't want to pray with me in here. Uh, you, ain't, you don't live in Glenville no more. You're a little different now. See, you've been domesticated by education. You've been domesticated by your job. You've been domesticated by your Adventism. You've been domesticated by your religion, your Christianity. But the truth of the matter is if something happens that doesn't go according to your plan, if it looks different than what you've normally seen, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. You're going to revert back to your instincts and you're going to try to dominate the one that's trying to get mastery over you I wish I had somebody to talk back to me in here how many know in here that all it takes is a split moment, all it takes is the right temptation, all it takes is the right man, all it takes is the right woman oh y'all not praying with me in here and before you know it you will flinch back, you will flip back you will fall back to your instinct but is there anybody here that needs the Holy Ghost I don't need to be domesticated. I need to be transformed. I don't need to be tamed. I need a new heart. My problem ain't my mouth. My problem is my soul. And if the Lord can get a hold of my heart, if the Lord can change my nature, then my mouth will speak blessings and not curses. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart. <laughs> Be acceptable in thy sight. Oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer. The Bible says thy word have I hid in my heart that I may not sin against God. Is there anybody out here who knows I got more than mouth problems, but I need Jesus to come and take residence in my heart. How many need the Lord to come sit on your heart and, and be master of your mind and be master of your soul and, and then he'll be master of your mouth. So then instead of cussing, you start praising. Instead of hollering at somebody, you start hollering at Jesus. Anybody got a praise in them today that just wants to let the Lord know that he's been too good and that he's been too kind? Ah, is there anybody that just wants to open up your mouth Instead of letting out curses, let out blessings. Have I got one witness here today that got a whole lot to say, but you don't really need to say it. What you really need to say is, I was young, but now I'm old. And I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Never seen him begging for bread. Anybody want to bless him with your mouth today? Not because you feel like it, but because you know that you're prone to wonder. You know that the lion wants to come out. You know that the tiger wants to get loose. But is there anybody needs the Holy Ghost to put the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart to be acceptable? Y'all not praying in here. Let the words of my mouth. Roscoe Fowler, create within me a clean heart. I wish I had a praying church in here. The Lord said, David said, create within me a clean heart, oh God, and, and renew the right spirit within me. Anybody need the Holy Ghost to tame you today? Uh, I don't want to be tame. Anybody need the Holy Ghost to transform? I don't know who you are today, but I want you to press to the altar. Some of us need to repent today, right now things said, things not said.
things we should have said that we didn't say. We got folk tripping in here right now, tripping over your words and tripping over your thoughts. But it's your heart. It's your heart. It's your nature. It's your nature. And the Lord says, I want to give you my nature. I want to give you a divine nature. I'm not trying to fix your nature. I'm trying to replace your nature with my nature so that you begin to bless me at all times. That you begin to bless other people. Instead of curses, blessings come out. Hallelujah. You remember Balaam was trying to curse Israel, but the Holy Ghost constrained him, and everything that came out of his mouth that was sideways, God turned it into a blessing. Is there anybody in here right now that said, Lord, I want you to get a hold of my heart and get a hold of my mouth? Is there anybody else here today? You just your heart wants, you just want to get your heart right with the Lord. It's heart stuff, y'all. If we're gonna be Christians, we gotta be mature. And if we're gonna be mature, that means we gotta put our big boy and big girl clothes on. And that means we gotta forgive enemies. That means we gotta love enemies. That means we gotta bless those that curse us. That come on, somebody. If we're gonna follow Jesus, we got to take up our cross, deny ourselves, and follow him. And he wants your mouth too. Good God Almighty. Oh, that's good. That's good. Sing it again, brother. I like that. Yes. Come on, Lord, make me over. That's your prayer right now. Get into his presence. Let's worship. Yes, sir. Make me over. From the inside out, Lord. Because our thoughts are wicked. Our hearts are wicked. Our instincts are wicked. Our nature is wicked. But Holy Ghost, if you will come into our lives right now and give us a new nature, then we will be able to speak blessings and not curses, Lord. Again. Lord, have mercy. Is there anybody right now? The Bible says, and this is an amazing thing about the tongue. Notice how salvation happens. The Bible says, if I confess with my mouth mm, and believe with my heart that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, the Bible says, I'm saved. That's Bible, y'all. That's Bible. That's Bible. There's a reason why. Because it was the same mouth that spoke worlds into existence. It was the same mouth that on the first day created, that separated the light. It was, a, it was that same mouth that spoke the whole entire galaxies into existence. And there is power in the word. There is power in what you say. There is power when you say what he said. I'm not saying say what you think. I'm saying say what God said. Quote you some scripture. Stand on his promises. Lean on the word of God. And say I will trust in the Lord with all my heart. 
and lean not to my own understanding and all my ways I'll acknowledge him and he will my direct my path I'm not gonna be afraid of the terror by night nor the arrow that flies by day because he's gonna give his angels charge over me to keep me in all my way I believe no weapon formed against me shall prosper I believe when the enemy comes in like a flood the Lord is gonna lift up a standard against me how many want to stand on the word of God declare it over your life you can't declare something you ain't never read you can't declare something that you ain't meditating on we're the mature folk. Who wants to be a mature Christian? I want to invite you. Uh, why don't you come to the altar right now? You want to grow in God. You want to grow. You ain't going to fight the Holy Ghost no more. You're saying, Holy Ghost, whatever you want to do, have your way. Come right now. If there's somebody here right now that wants to say, Lord, have your way in my life, this altar is open for you. Come out of your seat and say, Lord, have your way. Right now, move right now, move right now. Come to the altar. Uh, something about moving you know why because it's more than just believing we need some action and walking puts in place what you say in your heart and it shows God that I mean what I say I ain't scared of nobody looking at me I'm not scared of getting up out of my seat I need to take a stand for righteousness I need to take a stand for holiness I need to take a stand to be a mature Christian anybody else here you're plateaued and you want to grow, the altar is open. Come right now. Come right now. Come right now. Your soul will be lost if you stay stagnant. Your soul will be lost if you stop growing. You're, you will grieve the Holy Ghost if you just stay where you are and you live in your little comfort zone. The Holy Ghost says, I'm coming for your comfort zone because I want you to grow. Come, even now. Is there somebody that wants the Lord to work a change in your life? And as we're in our service right now, we're in this message, rather, we're in this message. Is there somebody that wants to join the church right now? Just because the Holy Ghost told you to? Shh. I'm talking about the Holy Ghost is speaking to you right now. You don't need me to say nothing clever. You don't need me to speak specifically to your situation. You just need to hear the voice of God and obey. If the Holy Ghost is telling you right now, join the church. Let the Lord lead you. Somebody, I got to get myself together. No, you cannot do that. You come as you are, and the Holy Ghost helps you to get yourself together. I got to fix this. I got to fix that. You can't fix it unless you give your life to him. No, nobody, no human can tame the tongue. Nobody can tame the human nature. You need God. Is there somebody who wants to lift their hands right now and say, Pastor, I believe the Lord is calling me to be a part of this church, either by baptism, rebaptism, profession of faith, a Christian experience, transfer of membership, whatever it is, you feel God moving on your heart right now saying, it's time to come to the Lord with everything. If the Lord is talking to you. Lift your hand right now. Ten. Nine. Eight. Seven. Come on, Holy Spirit. Six. Five. Come on. Even while you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Four. Three. Father, in the name of Jesus, 
collectively just need to say, Lord, we're sorry. Forgive us for all our sideways comments, our filthy mouths, our mean-spiritedness, our lack of graciousness, lack of compassion, lying tongues, abusive tongues. God, in the name of Jesus, we've been tripping. We've been tripping, Lord. But Lord, we need grace right now. Grace not just on our mouths, but on our hearts. Those that receive it, lift your hands right now. Say, Lord, I receive it all. I need it. I need all the grace I can get. Amen. And amen and amen. You may return to your seats in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. Let's put our hands together. Give God praise. Praise the Lord. like to invite the deacons if they will come quickly to uh, lift up the tithes and offerings. How many baskets do we have today? Do we have just two? Okay. Come quickly. You have three? If I could get one of uh, the ushers to assist uh, the deacons, we have a few that are out of pocket as we lift the tithes. Oh, we got one over here. You Get the other one. My brothers and sisters, we... We're excited about where God is bringing us, amen? And we're asking you to give faithfully. We have a goal by the end of the year to increase our giving from where, it's ha where it has been locally from $26,000 to $35,000. I can tell you how that's going to happen. That, that'll happen when more than 20% of us are giving tithes and offerings. It's just that simple. If, if the other 80% of us begin to try God, Listen, y'all, seriously, this is, not, this is not some exaggeration. We will have everything we need when this building is built to pay our mortgage and to do extraordinary ministry. We're at a place right now where we're trying to put on this fall fest, as we have done every year. But because funds have been low, because folks think that we got to the building and we're good now. Remember now, the goal is not the building. The building is a vehicle for ministry. The, vehicle, the building is a vehicle for ministry. We're not going to get in the building and just feel like we've done something. If the building ain't helping nobody, come on, somebody. And so we need everybody to be faithful in tithes and offerings. Not because I asked you to, but because God said so. And I just believe. Anybody here, any tithers, those that give tithes and offerings and know that God will open up the windows of heaven, will you just lift your hands right now? Can we get some testifiers in here and say, I know what the Lord will do when you give. And he will give good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. He'll do it. I'm not saying this to make nobody feel guilty. I'm telling you this because I want you to be as blessed as I am. Come on, say amen. He will open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing. To God be the glory so that you will not have any room to receive it to the glory of God. Praise the Lord. Has anybody else been overlooked? Just raise your hand right now. This ain't no money grab. We ain't that kind of church. Amen. 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 The pastor ain't going to get no new Cadillac with this. This is going to help the community. This is going to do ministry. This is going to help them babies in these streets. Come on, say amen, somebody. We believe about putting our, our, our money to work for the kingdom of God. All right, praise the Lord. Just before we uh, have the benediction, I believe somebody is coming forward for, is that you? Before, um, I 
after the business meeting, I'd like everyone to be in the gym so we can celebrate Pastor's birthday. <laughs> She told me she had a testimony. That was a trip. <laughs> All right, we're going to, I got something in my mouth. I didn't know. <laughs> we're going to stand, give the benediction. We're going to read that together. After that, members of this church, stay seated. We have business meeting, tell you about what's happening with this building. And then we're going to let you go. Is that all right? All right. Stay where you are. Remain seated. We're going to read the benediction right from the screen together. The Bible says, finally, brothers, rejoice, aim for restoration, comfort one another, agree with one another, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. And the church said amen and amen. We're just going to take a brief moment. If those of you that need to leave, you can do that now. I'm going to ask if the ushers or whoever has them, I need the agendas right now so we can circulate that. Anything that we have, Zach, uh, I don't know what documents. Whatever we have, let's get those to people right now so we can go ahead and begin. Let people go. Is it out? Oh, there's, there, be, there should be some printouts on the window ledge behind the media team. All right, if I can get as, can you bring me one? And let's get as many people as possible to circulate these agendas. Come on, Zach. We're going to get right to it. Let's get, can we get a few more hands? Can I get a few more helpers to, to pass these out? Can I get at least two or three more people to help pass these out so we can move quickly?